With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Sunday, July 3rd. If you didn't listen to yesterday's show, you got to go back and listen to it. We're re-airing an interview that we conducted well before the COVID times. It is with Ken Langone, who is the guy who's really one of the big entrepreneurs behind Home Depot. He's just got a very interesting story. At the time we had actually interviewed him, he had written a book called I Love Capitalism, An American Story. So uh, this is the second part of the interview where he tells a great story about meeting Bernie Madoff. Here is the second part of our interview with Ken Langone. So I want to just flash forward and I would love for you to tell the story of Bernie Marcus, Arthur Blank, and the roots of the Home Depot. Okay. The roots started, a very good friend of mine in Philadelphia, Gary Obam, had a chain of home centers who I had brought public called Panorama. And they were experiencing difficulties, 75, 76. And Gary had hired me as a consultant. And we were in his office one day, and I said, look, I said, we ought to have a model. If we're going to fix this, we got to look who's, who's the best out there. Now, the home center industry then was regional. You had Rickle, Pergament, Channel here. You had Heckinger's in the Mid-Atlantic. You had Scotty's in Florida. And you had Handy Dan and Angel's out in the way. So Gary says, Ken, Ken is a guy out there, Bernie Marcus. He's fabulous. Does a great job. I said, okay, can you get me an appointment? Long story short, the next day, I was in L.A. having lunch with Bernie Marcus. And I met him, and then and now, spectacular human being. And we bonded. And he was running a company that was 19% owned by the public and 81% owned by an industrial company called Dalen. I ended up buying almost all the 19% in the market. I kept buying it and buying it for myself and for clients. And he persuaded me one day to sell my stock to the guy that owned 81%. And I said, look, the guy doesn't like you, and he's going to fire you. And he said, no, no, he needs me. He doesn't know the business. I said, I'm telling you, I'm warning you. Nope. So this guy paid me a very significant premium to buy us out, all of myself and my investors. Four months after he bought us out, he fired Bernie, he fired Arthur, he fired Ron Brill. And Bernie calls me up, no health insurance, no stock, no income, three kids, I need a job. I said, forget about a job, when can you come to New York? And the next day he comes to New York. We sit in the Peacock Alley at the Waldorf Astoria with him, myself, and a fellow by the name of Jerry Grossman. Uh, a lawyer, a labor lawyer, and they'd committed a labor law violation. That's all it was, civic. Mm-hmm. It means the union gets certified. Bernie earlier had told me, we owned the stock for two years. In that two-year period, Bernie and I used to go walk store openings. When they were opening a new store, I'd go with them, and it was wonderful. And one walk in Houston, 
he says to me, don't get too excited because somebody's going to figure out the Achilles heel and is going to change this industry. I don't know. He said, well, tell me. I said, tell me. No, no, I can't. I can't. No, I'm not going to tell you. So when he got fired, I said, he comes to New York. I said, all right, you just got hit in the ass with a golden horseshoe. Let's do that thing you said is going to change the industry. He said, what do you mean? And I reminded him. And he said to me, let's do it. And we initially went to Perot, and it wasn't going to work. So I went and lined up 40 people that all had done very well with Handy Dan, and we put together $2 million, Arthur, Bernie, and right after we incorporated, they found another guy, a merchandising genius by the name of Pat Farah, mm-hmm. and we brought him on board. And he, uh, he was two months after we were founded, but he was effectively one of the founders of the company as well. And the rest is history. So one thing that I found interesting was that... Uh Started with a, the aim was to open four stores in Atlanta. Two of them opened, but it was not. We had, we had, no, hell, early on, Bernie was standing in front of the store offering people a dollar if they would walk in and look what was in the store. And why do you think that was? Because the concept was so new? It was brand new. And you had this huge, and you know, we had challenges. We didn't have a lot of money. And so when they were negotiating with the vendors, we got the vendors because we didn't want to have empty shelves. They gave us empty boxes with their labels on them, so people thought we had all this merchandise and all the overheads it was air. Mm. Mm. So when did you have the sense that it was going to really be as big as it became? What was the beginning when you were sitting? When, when Bernie got fired. Talk about that. I, look, I Bernie is fabulous. And I knew Bernie was going to be a big success. And Bernie knew the business. Bernie had a great knack for having good people around him. That's critical. Mm -hmm. So I had a good start there, and Bernie had, and we still have a very close relationship. Mm -hmm. We had to persuade Arthur to come. He was not sure he wanted to do it. Pat Farrow was running his own store, which was was doing very well in terms of physically, but financially it was a disaster. And eventually he had to bankrupt it. It was then when we got Pat to join up with us, and we did it. But I never thought we'd have 400,000 employees but I thought we had a chance to have a great business. So I want to talk a little bit about, I want to kind of finish the Home Depot section just by right. talking a little bit about how you have these founders. Obviously, it's getting big. There's different skill sets mm-hmm. of starting something right. and being entrepreneurial right. and running a mature organization. Right. So talk a little bit about finding Arthur's successor. Okay. Bernie, Arthur, and I had agreed that we didn't have anybody in the company that if something happened to Arthur, so we hired Hydric and Struggles, and it turns out at the time, coincidentally, I was on a board of General Electric, and this was, was, was when Jack Welch was going to make his decision about his successor. Unfortunately, he picked the wrong guy. It turned out to be a disaster. Bob Nardelli was the only one, and Bob had done a great job. I was on the board of GE, and I saw the great as an operator. Yep. And this is what we needed. We, you know, we, we were growing. We were, don't forget, we were opening 200 stores a year then. Staggering amount of stores. And it was getting away from us. And so we brought Bob in. In fairness, Bob did a great job for four years. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, he sort of lost how whatever it was, what he had done in the first four years left a lot to be desired. And we had to make a change. We had a serious morale issue in the store. What do you think, in your mind, could you have identified some of Nardelli's weaknesses early on? I can't answer it objectively. Bob got caught up in whatever it was. But it was beginning to unravel this culture, this very precious culture we had about these kids that work in the stores. 
So I want to end because Mark is obsessed with Bernie Madoff. We have had okay. Diana Henriquez, who wrote The Wizard of Lies on the program. Right. He's a friend of mine. Mm. And um, you were featured in the movie version of that. Not exactly the right way to recount the story. So, But it uh, didn't happen that way. Yeah, exactly. That's what I want. I want to hear what happened when you met Bernie Madoff. Okay. 2008, in the middle of the... Mm, Crash, the week Lehman Brothers went broke, yep. we sold a company we had a big interest in called Choice Point to Reed Elsevier for cash. And thank God for Marty Lipton and his firm, Ed Hurley and the gang. They wrote a contract with Reed Elsevier that you couldn't get a drop of water through. Mm-hmm. Reed tried to claim force majeure. Mm-hmm. And we said, uh-uh, mm-hmm. we're settling. And so we got Friday night of the same week that Lehman went broke. <laughs> You got a big wire in. We got $4.3 billion in cash. <laughs> that wasn't all ours, but we had a good piece. Yeah. A very dear friend of mine, a wonderful man, called me up and said, look, Bernie Madoff would like to meet you. This was a month and a half after that, in November. He said, why don't you meet with him? And so I have a partner that lived out in Sun Valley then, and I called up Steve Holzman, and I said, Steve, do me a favor. I said, I'm going to meet this guy Madoff. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I said, but you probably might, because Steve understood all these different strategies and stuff. So Steve came in, and for the first 40, we're in his offices in the Lipstick Building on Mm -hmm. 3rd Avenue. He's showing me all this art, like I really care. And finally, I said, Bernie, I got to go to a dinner. And I said, can we sit down and talk? And he's, sure. So he sits down, and he starts talking about this and that and the other thing, and this put and that call and this straddle. And I'm sitting there, my eyes are glazing over. Steve is listening. And then he says to me, and look, he said, I can only take $500 million for this deal. He said, it's not big enough for me to give all of my existing clients, so I'm going to give it to you. Uh, my first reaction was, wait a minute, how would I feel if I was one of his clients? And I found out he's got this phenomenal bird's nest on the ground, but he's given it to a guy he's never done business with before and keeping me out of it. I didn't say anything. I said, well, Bernie, I got to leave for dinner. And so we thanked him. We got in the elevator, we went downstairs, and I said, Steve, I don't want to do business with this guy. I thanked him very much. I said, I don't want to do business with this guy. He said, why? I said, look, if he's going to screw his existing customers, I might be the next one to get screwed. I don't want to do it. I said, I think it's bad faith not to offer this deal, which is supposed to be a slam dunk deal to his people. Mm-hmm. He said, well, let me think about it. So the Friday after Thanksgiving of that week, Steve called me and said, you know, Ken, you're right. I don't want to do it. I said, well, do me a favor. Call him up and be polite and respectful. Just tell him we're going to pass. And that's how it happened. Mm. And Hollywood likes license. You know, they need drama. Exactly. Meeting this guy, he was teetering on the edge of... He was slick. Really? I wouldn't want to play poker with this guy. He knew he was going down when he right. was talking to us. That's what I think, timing-wise. If I was playing poker with this guy, he'd have all my clothes. He'd have all my houses. <laughs> he'd have... This guy was Mr. Cool. I want to wrap up, and um, I know that the that capitalism is sort of the theme of the book and why you love it. That's really the story of your life. I want to also point out a couple of the things that mm. you say that um, you have curiosity. You are notorious for asking more questions than any other director on a board. Yeah. Um, I didn't give a blank if my question showed how stupid I was. You also... I guess what's interesting is that um, you note that this is not a zero-sum game. And you, you say in the book you were a lifelong Republican for some time. Mm-hmm. But you also have said, spoken publicly about how you're concerned about income inequality. Absolutely. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. If the gap between the well-off and the not-so-well-off gets big enough, 
you put the people that are not so well off to say, hey, you know what, nothing's working for me. What happens? You get a Cuba, you get a Venezuela, you get a Russia. We've got to figure a way out to bring everybody to the party. The most exciting thing to me about Home Depot, a lot of things about it, we have 3,000 kids today who started in the parking lot, fresh out of high school, pushing carts in. They're multimillionaires. They're Is that multi- because of the stock or they work yeah, their way no, up? No, yeah, no, no, stock. Totally. No, yeah. no, we give them options and stock yeah. savings. Look, I think of my mother and father. They were down at that end of the spectrum, and I know how they struggle. Mm-hmm. We've got to do a better job. I don't have all the answers, but I know we, we can't allow these people all of us as a citizen, as citizens, we can't allow these people to not participate in this great dream called America. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you're having a great Independence Day weekend. Don't forget, if you've got a financial question, go to jillonmoney.com, click the Contact Us button, and let us know if you would be willing to come on the air. Now, while you're on the website, there's all sorts of stuff there. So, you know, you can sign up for the free weekly newsletter. You can click to donate to my cycle for the cause because, you know, I am working hard to try to get that training done for my 275-mile ride. You hear all about it. So check it out. Everything's at jillonmoney.com. All right. So we hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Tomorrow, we are going to get into summer travel. That's exciting. Okay. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.